Welcome to Mindset a Mastery Podcast. This is Lee. And today's topic is around leadership and how to include everyone within leadership. Listen to some amazing insights with my co-host for today, Melissa. Good morning, everyone. This is, this is Lee. And I love to introduce Melissa here for you as well. And um, I'm coming from Australia and Melissa's coming all the way from Canada. So it's actually morning for the Australians today and it's in the evening. Is that right for Melissa, for, you know, for the Canadians at the moment as well? That's right. Yeah, absolutely. It's about five o'clock. Absolutely. So we're having a great conversation today and we've had a bit of a chat first in their green room as we do before we come along board. And we wanted to share with you some of our personal insights around leadership and both Melissa and myself are both leadership uh, facilitators and we're also leadership coaches as well so yeah strap in I think you're gonna have a great time and um, and and if you are what listening you know say hi to us and give us some encouragement to actually share more of what of what we've got to tell you today so I'd like to start off first Melissa um, about you know, um, telling you a bit, a little bit about a, a leader that made a, a huge influence on me as a coach um, when I started my, my coaching world and I transitioned to the corporate arena. And that was in about um, 2010 was when I was invited in the corporate arena. And what was happening, I was doing a lot of individual coaching because I started my business in 2001 so I had roughly about nine years experience um, coaching women and men who seeked me out personally outside the organization because back then Melissa you know it wasn't as common back then in 2001 for people to have coaches you know it wasn't I suppose the in thing uh, in Australia anyway I'm not too sure about Canada but in Australia it wasn't really the in thing at that time and um, what was happening was uh, obviously you know they, they didn't work with me and their and their managers started to notice a huge change in the way that they behaved their confidence started to lift and everything else as well so what had happened was um, this lady I was um, working with her general manager noticed the difference in her and they had they had a candid conversation about well you know what happened he was really curious as to how come all of a sudden you're being assertive and and you're more productive and you're and you're stepping up and you're actually having a voice we're actually hearing you speak now in meetings and and you're starting to hold your ground as a leader and um, so they had this conversation about me and that's when Raymond Faulkner, who was a general manager of Holiday Inn in Brisbane at that time, invited me to meet me. He was so curious that he wanted to actually see me. And, um, you know, of course I had that conversation with him, but I think the biggest influence I had, and because he invited me into the organisation and I worked with all the senior managers and everything else, and, and, and then I worked with him personally as well as a coach. But the thing that stood out most about him to me was his humility. You know, he was a very humble person. And what would happen when we had our coaching sessions, we would get in the lift and go upstairs to one of the rooms in the hotel because he wanted to have privacy. I mean, that sounds a bit funny, doesn't it? But he wanted to have privacy from, you know, the office and things like that as well. And this particular day, this cleaner was in, in the lift and he knew everything about this cleaner. He knew the cleaner was having a hard time, you know, with his 
um, his parents, he was going through some, you know, serious medical issues and things like that. And he spent the time to turn and engage with the cleaner and show the cleaner that he was interested and he valued the cleaner. But there was that certain level of connection there as well. Like he was really focused 100% on the cleaner and, and giving the cleaner hope, which I think is really important for leaders, hope that everything would be okay. Mm-hmm. And that to me, and he was a very quiet leader. He wasn't a loud leader, very quiet leader. Now this, um, you know, this general manager um, he he gave me a raving testimonial and also put a review on my LinkedIn profile as well. He he was he was the person who was of service, or, or yeah, really giving, and that was a role model because I was you know only nine years in coaching and it was my first big corporate gig, and he, he didn't it didn't worry him. He 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 took me as the same level as himself. So it was an amazing, amazing uh, experience. So what I learned from that experience for me, one was, you know, quiet leadership. You know, having that quietness sometimes is so powerful. It's not how loud you, you voice your opinions or whatever. It's the essence and the time that you take to connect with people. How about yourself? Have you had an experience that's like a leader who's really influenced you a lot, Melissa? Absolutely. Mine um, are more kind of personal to me and to my journey. Uh, I was so lucky. There was this period in my career where I had a number of inclusive leaders that were just really incredible, but one was first. Um, So I worked for about 15 years. I started selling mortgages at 19, which really makes no sense. Sitting across (laughs) the, the table from a family and remortgaging their house and doing things like that. Like I look back and I go, oh my goodness. But uh, that was how I got my start in finance and uh, in my career. So I sold loans and and mortgages um, starting, like I said, at 19, right from soliciting them, underwriting them, um, closing them, the whole the whole deal. And then we had to collect them, which was a very interesting perspective. We could maybe talk about another time, but <laughs> at a company, um, I didn't love the work. However, they were good to me when my uh, husband at the time, anytime he got a job across the country, I could pick up the phone and have a job anywhere and they moved me around. So, but we had moved home to Stratford, Ontario. That's where I'm from. And I was, I am done doing this kind of finance and I want to work at the bank. So I went into every single bank in Stratford to try and inter- introduce myself to the manager. And I was propositioning basically that I could help their turndowns, rehabilitate their credit and bounce them back to them kind of thing. That was going to be my end. I went to eight branches. Um, one let me in. One branch manager let me into her office and we had a wonderful conversation. Um, and we talked about uh, what I could do for her and what I, you know, what my job was and what I thought, how I thought I could help her. And I thought that was just a great way to make a connection. Um, the work I, where I worked at the time happened to do our banking in that bank. So I came in every single day. I made sure I was the one that took the banking across the street into the office so that she would see me. And one day, sure enough, she came out of her office. I have a job. I thought right away and I'd love to talk to you about it. And so as the story goes, I, I ended up working for I ended up working for Connie, who is one of the best leaders I have ever had in my life. And this is where the inclusive part really came in. 
I had kind of waffled through my career. I'd, I'd always done well, but I was following my husband around doing, you know, uh, getting to that assistant manager kind of level and uh, turning down a few opportunities to become a branch manager because I knew at any moment we'd be moving and I wasn't okay with leaving a team like that. But now we were, we were, we were staying put, we were in Stratford. In the meantime, I had spent a number of years on long-term disability because I have epilepsy. So at the time I wasn't able to drive. I do drive now, which I'm super grateful for, but at the time I couldn't drive and we would live in a little town that's at least 50 kilometers away from another branch, more like a hundred in most cases. So um, I did really well at the bank and within the first three months, the assistant manager left and Connie sure enough came across. She's like, I know you took a step back to come here. I think you can do this. I know you've never worked in a bank before three months ago, but this is what you should be doing. Mm -hmm. and look back at that and how many leaders would have said, there is a personal banker who has some potential, but doesn't drive. And we don't usually promote within the same branch, which as a general rule is a good idea, right? You want people to get out and get different experiences. It's hard to transition from being a peer to being a manager. But what that started was a chain of events that I went from personal banker to assistant branch manager to branch manager in that same office within 14 months. Um, and any other leader would have probably just still had me in that first office, making them look good, being productive, you know, still being yeah. and nice and things like that, but going, this doesn't fit inside my box, so I'm not going to do it. Right. And I'm just so grateful to this day to have, uh, have had her and, um, she really, really, really made a difference. And I, I had a few other great leaders, um, down the road after her thankfully with the bank and yeah. before going out on my own but that inclusive leadership truly did change the path of my life um yeah. and it helped me find my purpose because now my purpose is to help other leaders understand how through inclusion they can get the best out of their people and i really believe that's what's going to change the world absolutely and it's um it's amazing for you but yourself because <clears throat> you obviously you know wanted to be noticed Mm -hmm. and you did the appropriate thing to get noticed so it, it's about um you know you know you know sometimes we've got to do more than expectations you know um you know we've because uh, yeah, yeah there's been times that i've talked to different people in the workplace and some of them not everyone but some of them have the mindset that I, I, I've got to wait until I'm getting paid to do more. Right. You know, I, I want to. I want to get. I want to get paid to do more. Whereas we know in business, it's different. In business, we've got to perform first, and then people see. You know, you know, you know what you do, your skill set, and everything else as well. So then you get paid after you show um, that you're extraordinary or that you there's a difference in you or whatever. So it's a completely different mindset. It it, it moves away from. I think um, you know some people have that mindset. It's a right, or or, or uh, it, it, yeah, it's a right. It's my right. right. It's my it's my right kind of thing as well. Instead of thinking about graciousness and everything else as well, to actually get ahead within the workplace as well. Yeah, and it can be quite yeah. frustrating if you feel unseen. But there are certainly yeah. ways where you can position your value and make sure, like you said, you're putting in the work and showing up every day yeah. and doing it so that people do start to take notice. It, it, That's right. You have to like, get out of that mindset that they should already know what I'm worth and they should already exactly. know how amazing I am. No, you got to show them first, and that's how that works, right? That's right. And even the and even the mindset sometimes of feeling like I've been in the organization all of these years, it's just 
naturally my turn to get promoted and you know you know you've got to earn your right first before you get promoted within the organization it's a completely different mind shift everything else as well and you know and that's really interesting because um I, I was you know reflecting on your story and everything else as well and obviously you know, when I go into and work with, um, you know, organisations and things like that, there's always people who um, resent um, a, a newly a newly appointed leader, you know, especially they've been promoted internally as well. There's almost that they've got that resistance straight away because they've been successful, whereas maybe other people in the organisation feel, you know, disappointed or let down because they didn't get the opportunity that was given to them as well. And um, I, I really love the idea of knowing your people, you know, Melissa, really knowing your people and knowing, you know, what's the best way to lead that particular person because not one, you know, one thing fits all. You know, it's having, it's having the insight and the emotional intelligence which comes through leadership. So you can start to see what's really going on you know is your team member engaged are they competent if they're not engaged why aren't they engaged because when people are actually um, brought on board through the recruitment process or anything else you know when when they first enter the organization you probably find 99.99 percent of the people are really motivated and, and engaged with the organisation. So sometimes we've got to stop and look, well, what happened? What happened along the way for the engagement? Because the recruiter wouldn't have put their hand up and say, hey, I want to employ people who are not engaged. I want to employ people who are not motivated. <clears throat> and this is where I, I, I love the model of the situational leadership, um, you know, that I use a lot when I work with my clients. And that's really understanding, obviously, you know, do I, do I go into coaching mode? Do I go into delegating mode? Do I go into participating mode? Or do I go into telling mode? And, you know, and obviously the answer to that is all depending on where your individual team member is you know, what's actually happening. So say, for example, if they're really engaged, but they're doing an onboarding process, they don't know how the organisation operates. They don't know the expectations. They don't know where the files are kept or anything else. They have to, you know, the leader has to spend some time with them to bring them up to speed with the expectations of the organisation. So obviously they've got, they need to spend some time with that you know, that new team member, or they need to delegate someone within the office to step into that mentoring role to help that person through the onboarding process as well. And and that can be foreseen um, if, if the members of the organisation don't understand about team dynamics and they don't understand about different leadership styles, that can be perceived as why is this person, you know, being delegated um uh, a task and and the leader trusts that person whereas with me they're actually you know almost micromanaging because um, the team members are on different uh, levels of engagement and competency and so I think leaders really need to know how to adapt and adjust and and understand what's going on with the individual team member but also to inform and educate the members that 
you know, this is this is why I'm doing this with you. This is I want to help you. I want to help you to the next level. I want to develop you. I want to encourage you. I want to, you know, try and, and talk to you about trying to engage and motivate and care of what's going on as well. I think that's really important to not have that attitude that this is the type of leader I am and this is how I'm going to lead everyone exactly the same because we're people, we're not objects. Absolutely. I, like, I don't think you could be more right. I was making some notes because there's so many things that you said in there. It, mm. it made me think of um, the difference between equity and equality, right? Mm. So equality is the exact same for everybody. That's equal. Mm. Like, I'm going to treat everybody exactly the same, regardless of where they are, what they need, who they are, you know, what speaks to them, their personality, you know, whatever it might be. And I even think back to my job, um, my my story about working through from being a, a personal banker to a branch manager, the tellers or the customer service reps had to teach me how to be a teller. Now, if I was hired as a teller, I probably would have got fired. Like that's what would have happened. But I had someone go, okay, no, but I see that they add different value. I see that there's value they add. I don't need to take them back to step one of entry level because that's not where they are, right? So some other people might've said, that's not fair. They never worked at a bank before. They should have to start as a teller. Same as everybody else kind of thing, right? So there's a very, very simplistic version of that. I used to actually play a game with some of my leaders. I don't know if you've ever seen the game Heads Up. But yeah, I, yes. one of the other things you were saying makes me think of we need to know the language that our employees are speaking. When you're leading, you need to know everyone's language and they're all different. It reminds me because I used to play this game with teams and I remember one time it couldn't have worked out better. Someone flipped it up and the, the name was Sandra Bullock. And someone kept screaming, hope floats, hope floats, hope floats. For 60 seconds, they screamed the same thing. And they put it down. They were like, what was it? And they said it was Sandra Bullock. All you needed to say was speed, right? Like, and yeah, I was yeah. right away. But like all this other person had in their head was hope floats. So we all have yeah. different languages that will bring out. And it's based on our past. It's based on our experiences. It's based on all of those things and learning how to adapt and speak different languages. You might think I am being super clear with you. Why are you not hearing what I'm saying? And this again is just such as it's kind of a silly example, but a clear one on, I am saying the same thing to you over and over, even though you're not hearing me. That is, yes. that is not um, adjusting your style, right? That's not adjusting to your team and they're the ones that need you. That's right, um, because we all have different meaning to words. We all put different meaning, and so, it's the same with values. We all have different meanings to values. Like if I say, you know, um, you know, um, you know, cooperation or something like that, you know, it's it completely different. We have different values, and this is where I think it's important to spend the time to actually get your team members to actually give you their spin on what the values and the vision is of the organisation. So it's about inviting them to give their perspective as well so that you start to see, you know, what, the, you know, um, what you know where their thoughts are. So I remember this coaching program that I did was always about with your communication, you must put meaning around your communication mm -hmm. so people understand exactly what you're saying. It's no point getting people to do feedback and paraphrase back and everything else as well if if you can see there's a blank look there going i haven't got a clue what i'm doing here and that comes a lot also with different cultures because some cultures don't want to say i don't understand what, what you want they 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 feel embarrassed 
or they feel inadequate to say, um, I don't know what you're, you know, to actually ask the leader to 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 uh, put their point of view across in a different way. You know what I mean? To actually ask them or, or to feel, I don't understand what you're talking about. I need you to communicate it differently. A lot of people, you know, they don't have the confidence to actually say that. I'm not saying everyone doesn't, but a lot of people, especially different cultures, who have to translate into their language, into their head, and then translate again when they actually speak, you know, whatever it is they need need, need to speak with their leader as well. That comes into play as well. Exactly. And the kind of the, the table stakes to that has to be inclusion as well. It has to be inclusive mm. leadership because you have to be in an environment where it's okay to ask questions or it's yes. okay to disagree or it's okay to bring a different opinion or it's okay to go, I have no idea what you're talking about. But there are still lots of teams when a leader starts talking, everyone starts doing this. And yes. that's the most dangerous thing you can have. You will miss things if everyone's agreeing with you all the time, right? But it's your responsibility to set up an environment where it feels safe to bring forward new ideas or to ask questions and things like that. The language barrier, it's, it's interesting. I was in a conversation the other day about inclusive leaders and we were just having a chat on Clubhouse and someone spoke up. Thankfully, he felt comfortable to speak up. And he said, you two just said one of the other facilitators said, I'll touch base with you later on that. Like it was right at the beginning. And he said, just for an example, I have no idea what that means. You're going to you're going to go over to her house and touch her. And what face are you talking about? Exactly. Right. If English isn't your first language, even if you speak English very, very well, some of these like subcontexts and sayings that we have just kind of built in. No clue. <laughs> like, right. Makes sense. Absolutely. It gets really confusing at times, doesn't it? It's really, it's really interesting. But it, you know, there's so much involved with leadership. But what a joy to be a great leader. I mean, it, it, you know, when you have a good leader around you, or you have the ability to be open to other people's point of view. You know, you're wanting to serve. You're wanting to um, help people to achieve more or develop more or whatever, it's so rewarding when you start to see um, the people in your teams uh, step up into their own personal power as well. Mm -hmm. So I I believe that having that personal awareness um, so you understand behaviour, you understand what's really going on with your different team members is absolutely essential. And it's not just having the self-awareness, it's also self-control of your own emotions too. So that when you're having a stressed day, you know, when you're being stressed and everything else as well, um, you're not downloading the stress onto your team members as well. Um, So that's really important as well. And hi, Wendy. Thanks for joining us, Wendy. It's great to see you there. Um, don't you think that's so important to not to download your stress or your bad day or on, on, onto your team members and things like that? Yeah, 100%. And you talked a lot about self-awareness. I think the first step to becoming a, a really good leader is knowing who you are and what mm. you bring and what you don't bring and what happens when you're under stress and you're under pressure and you're under timelines and you know you have a, a personality that yours and theirs are just kind of like this. It's your job again to know first who you are, what that looks like, where you can spot it coming earlier, 
those kinds of things. It's, it's so, so important because you will feel it. Like I know when I used to walk into a branch, um, when I was an HR business partner, I would walk into a branch and you could feel it. You could feel if this was, this was a place that was heavy or if this was a place that was fun and was light and people were glad to be there, including customers. And it mm. comes out in the results too. Like it is so, so important. And I really do believe that, um, leadership and inclusive leadership is the key to unlocking the power of diversity, right? So we know how important diversity is. We have all the stats on how much more companies make when they have a diverse leadership table and a diverse slate of candidates for roles and things like that. But we don't. what we don't talk about enough is that how do you unlock that power? Because just putting a bunch of people at the table that look different or have different backgrounds gets you nothing if you're not really valuing what they bring that's different than from what you have. And I know we're both entrepreneurs and we, and we work with entrepreneurs as well. And I think this is so important for entrepreneurs to know too, whether they're leading a formal team, like whether they've gotten to the place where they're hiring or they're even just looking at contracts at um, maybe a virtual assistant, a business manager, mm-hmm. website, find people that are not like you, that don't think like you because you've got you and all your greatness. You want to bring in people around you that don't mm-hmm. think you because you got this and they got that right that we've got to remember exactly and that's so and that's a really good topic you're talking about there as well because obviously I work a lot of entrepreneurs as well as the corporate as well and that transition to an entrepreneur who's never had formal education around leadership and and they don't really know how to choose their team member uh, and things like that because one of the biggest mistakes that um um, you, know, you know, people do if they haven't got the skill or the background or the education around knowing what type of person would be a good fit for their company or whatever is they choose someone who's the same as them because they they feel very comfortable with them. But I know me, for myself, my personality type, I, I, I'm the big visionary. I'm, I'm the big, you know, I love to dream. I'm the dreamer, you know, and I, I'm the ideas person. And, and for me, I've got, you know, when I get my ideas out, I got to use my maps, I got to throw stuff out um, before I even put them in any order at all. But, you know, with my team members and things like that, I need someone who's completely anal, who's really that detailed person who drives me crazy and tells, keeps me on track and, 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 and enforces that the rules have to be followed and everything else as well because that complements me. And if um, you know, uh, people in business don't understand that, what they do is they bring in a duplication of themselves and they wonder why, you know, there's that lacking detailed or, or visionary or whatever that mm-hmm. they need to have in the organisation as well. So understanding people in different behaviours, you know, and also having those um, difficult conversations, which is part of the leader's role to be not always comfortable, to be able to, you know, have candid conversations but do it in a way that... Um, they're inviting that person to give them their perspective and they're listening and they're really, really trying to understand what's going on and they're curious as to what's going on. So together they can come up with a solution 
that's going to fix the problem. That's so important as well. Absolutely. And difficult conversations is a challenge from, you know, a first level supervisor or junior manager right up to the sweet C-suite. I have coached lots yeah. of CEOs that are not great at difficult conversations and we'll yeah. keep them until they get a whole lot worse, right? Usually the sooner we deal with, the better. And there's a few things that they can use to, to do that. But I think, again, it still all starts with knowing yourself and then knowing your team and knowing that person you need to have the difficult conversation with, right? And there's lots of tools to kind of uncover and help you understand them more. And, and it's that confidence too to have because some people just want to be liked. You yes. know, they don't want to have the difficult conversations. Yes. So that's something that's really important to, to develop that skill of, but, but also develop the skill of, um, I always remember Stephen Covey's work. Have you familiar with Stephen Covey as well, Melissa, where he always says um, first you need to understand before uh, and being understood. So mm-hmm. it's always, you know, always finding out the the perspective of the person you're talking about first so you don't jump in and completely you know, blame or completely go off on the wrong tangent or whatever, because then that list, then that loses trust and credibility with that particular person as well. Mm-hmm. But there's so many dynamics, isn't there? Absolutely. One of my favorites, actually, when it comes to difficult conversations that served me really well in my coaching is um, be, sometimes you need to be cruel to be kind. Yes. Not super literally, but usually having these conversations really, really early Things mm-hmm. can be correct. And usually your employee feels it too. They're like, oh, did I make a mistake? Or I don't know what they're thinking. Or they want to have the conversation too. You just need to open the door. Where I find sometimes leaders who avoid these conversations will let it get to a place that then it's not repairable. Then we're talking yeah. about, you know, separations and terminations and co- corrective action, things like that. That's where be cruel to be kind comes in. Because if you deal with it today, it's this big. If you put it yeah. off and it's this big, that's, yeah. not, that's not so nice. <laughs> Yeah, absolutely. So let so let's just wrap this up now. Um, so I want to thank Wendy. I'll just see what Randy, what you what you said there, Wendy. Thanks for um, for participating. Was it choosing someone like yourself? Yes, I completely, completely so true. And this is why entrepreneurs wonder why they have so much difficulty with they've been their VAs and everything on board because. I, I think a lot of entrepreneurs think because I bring a VA on board, I can just leave them. You know, you've got to treat them as onboarding. You've got to be training them. You've got to keep in touch with them and understand they are a VA. That means they're there to help you. It, it, it doesn't mean you delegate a whole task to them and give no input and have the expectation that they are the experts in, in marketing or they're the experts in doing something. They're there to help you. They're there to help you um, like any 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 team member is. It's so important to train and, and support and encourage them exactly exactly the same as what you would do with a team member. So, so I feel the entrepreneurs can really learn from workplace leaders of how to look after their people and understand people and take time to understand team dynamics and everything else as well. And I believe that the corporate, the workplace, can take a, a page from entrepreneurs about putting yourself out there first and um, before you're rewarded, like, you know, really excelling and getting out there and, and caring for people and treating your position as though it's your business. 
which and treating your your team members as though they're the most important clients that you ever have and in value you in so I believe both of them um, both of them can learn off of each other depending on what role Absolutely. so I just want to finish up saying um, the characteristics uh, that I believe are really important for leaders the three characteristics I believe is important for leaders is one is humility uh, being open to continually learning and giving your team members hope and encouragement what are your three um, qualities that you think, Melissa, for you? Mine are um, humility is right up there with mine because I really think you have to understand that you don't know everything and you need your team for sure. Mm. And mm. service. Leadership should be about service. It shouldn't be about getting the office or the window or anything. If that's what you're in it for, you may not be a great leader, right? You need to be in it because you want to see your employees thrive and do well and your organization. If you're in corporate like that, you want to succeed with your organization's mission at hand too. You should want to be of service first. Absolutely. So we'll wrap up there. So thanks everyone for listening. And thank you so much, Melissa, for coming on board. We'll have a quick chat once we um, stop the live and uh, to have a chat ourselves in the green room. But everyone else have an amazing, amazing day. You know, lead with confidence, get out there, inspire, you know, make mistakes, learn from them uh, and just become extraordinary and step into your own power. Thanks for listening. Join our Lead with Confidence membership at leadstem.com slash memberships. Come along and join an amazing community of women who are all on the path of leadership with a positive attitude and connecting with each other. See you over there. Bye.